Greetings, Team Ajulam. Karibuni sana tena. We are now on our 11th, 11th episode of the Walking with God series. And today we'll be looking at John chapter 7. Just like last week, this is Bible study, guys. And so I want you to be able to go and read John chapter 7. And so I'm going to ask you to pause this video and go read John chapter 7. And when you're done reading John chapter 7, come back and continue watching. Okay? Go read John chapter 7. Pause the video here. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, this chapter uh, that you just read um, is such a jam-packed chapter. Uh, it's, it's literally, there's a gig that's happening that is literally the context of this whole chapter, right? Um, and what's happening here is that there's a very important holiday in the Jewish calendar. It's a seven-day holiday called the Festival of Shelters or the Sukkot. Okay? Now, this holiday was one of three pilgrimages. pilgrimages. You know, like how the Muslims go to, to Mecca, the pilgrimage to Mecca. Now, this was one of three pilgrimages uh, to the temple in Jerusalem, right? Um, stroke Jerusalem, Judea that the Jews had to make in any given year. So this holiday is a joyous celebration of the harvest and a time to remember Israel's wandering in the Sinai Desert. So during the time when the Israelites were in the, in the wilderness, this was a time to commemorate that time. But it, was also, it also happened um, um, uh, during the, the harvest time. Like th This is also a celebration of, of the, the harvest, right? That the harvest that people had, 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 had that, that God had given. So it, it, the way it's described in the book of Leviticus, this, is a hol this holiday is a time for the Jews to rejoice in God's bounty. Whether it's his salvation in taking them out of bondage in Egypt or providing them with a plentiful harvest, right? Because this, this, this um, holiday coincided with the end of the harvest season, all right? So this was a jolly good time. This festival was, was lay. It was lay. It was lay, <laughs> right? So, of course, everybody's ready to go have a good time at this festival, including Jesus and his brothers who are in Galilee, okay? Now, there are three characters, actually four, that I want us to be able to look into in this, in this, in this, in this chapter, okay? Um, in regards to what we just read in this chapter. Now, for some context, if you remember, about two weeks ago, we studied uh, about the guy that Jesus healed, the lame man that he healed on the Sabbath, right? Um, which really, 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 really vexed the religious leaders. These guys were so pissed about this whole him healing on the Sabbath, right? And they were convinced that because of this, Jesus was absolutely a sinner. Because if he was from God, he wouldn't heal on the Sabbath. And then further, he would not only just heal on the Sabbath, but he wouldn't tell that person that he has healed to carry their mat on the Sabbath, right? No way that a guy like that is from God. I couldn't, there's no chance, no chance. But here's the thing that's happening, right? Is that Jesus' fame was only growing and this began to concern even these religious leaders even more. Forget about just the Sabbath, the fact that his fame was growing, the sinner's fame was growing. And because of this, they began to conspire against him. They literally began to plan how they were going to murder him, right? That's how much of a threat he was to them. Not to mention, also, if you remember, I think this was in John chapter 2, when we talked about that this Jesus was the same guy that kicked out the money changers in the temple. And so these religious leaders are also like, my guy, this guy is a sinner, right? 
he's growing in fame, and on top of that, he's also affected our bag, right? This guy is, as guys were getting a healthy bag from this uh, trading that we were doing here in the temple, right? But then this guy came and started kicking guys out, telling them, Ati, this place needs to be a house of prayer, whatever. Right? So he came, he affected their money. He has affected their, he's, he's a sinner. <laughs> so they're like, my guy, this guy must die. And so in, the con in this context, going to Judea, basically Jerusalem, was dangerous for Jesus because these guys were literally plotting to kill him. Right? And anyway, so... So this gig is happening, this uh, festival, these festivities are happening. And so his brothers, Jesus' brothers are like, yo, Jesus, you know, you should totally go to the festival, you know, and show guys some miracles, bro. Come, come, let's go, let's go, let's go stunt, you know. Let's go show guys some miracles, man. I mean, if you are who you say you are, right? Think about that. If, in fact, let me, let me read this. This is what they said. Live here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't be famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Listen to those words. If you can do such wonderful things. You know, they wanted Jesus to go out there and stand. If you can do such wonderful things, show it to the world then. And where better to stand than at this festival? They were telling him to come do tricks like a magician. There's an event I went to there recently. And there was this incredible magician who would come and he'd do all these tricks and it was like mind-blowing. It was great entertainment, right? This is what these guys wanted Jesus to do. Come and do some tricks. <laughs> come and just do some, for us some, some magic tricks over here, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be famous? You don't want to be famous, Jesus? And you know, the thing that is so interesting about this disposition that the brothers had is that how similar this is to the temptation that uh, happened to Jesus right before he began his ministry in Matthew 4, right? Where... The devil tried to, when he was tempting Jesus in the wilderness, and he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, why don't you jump off this cliff? I mean, you won't get hurt. The angels will be sent to carry you. I mean, come on, Jesus. Show yourself to the world, man. Jump off a cliff and let people see the angels coming to lift you up. It's so interesting how similar this is to what his brothers are suggesting to him. They're like, if you can do such wonderful things, you show yourself to the world. Show yourself to the world. You don't want to be famous? Huh? You don't want to be famous? Isn't that so similar between these two things? Come do for us some tricks. So you show yourself to the world. But it says that the reason why the brothers were like this is because they did not believe that Jesus was, their, was the Messiah. I mean, this was their bro. It's just Nani. It's just Jesus. Isn't it amazing? How... Sometimes the people closest to you can completely misunderstand your relationship with God. And even you yourself, they can completely misunderstand you. These guys weren't talking. These guys, these guys weren't walking with God. They were literally, not like us, actually, yeah, you know, John, walking with God. These guys were living with him. <laughs> these guys, even their, their series is living with God. And, they, and the thing that's so interesting about their, them living with God, they did not believe. Imagine that. They did not believe. And you know, it's interesting how, why this is so unique and so interesting because you'd be like, ah, it's because he's his family, nini, that's the reason why they're around him. Nah, that's not true. Because if you remember, it wasn't all of Jesus' family that didn't believe. Mary, his mother, his own mother believed. Remember in John chapter 2 when she tells the attendants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. When she went to Jesus, she knew that this is the guy who was going to help.
that was someone who knew. His own mother knew. And we see this through and through that the mother knew who he was, but not his brothers. And so that's interesting because that brings us to the first character. Where God can be right there at work, right before your very eyes. And you miss him because umem zoya. You have lost your reverence. See, we know this guy. He's just over here. We know him. Right? You know this Christian thing. You've been doing this for a minute. Yeah, you got this. You've been walking this journey for a long time. You, you and Mungu are boys, right? But what has happened is, is that over this time, what has happened is that you've lost your reverence. You know, the, the last couple of days I've been reading um, the book of Revelation. That's where my Bible in a year is. And um, it's just so interesting to me how when it begins to paint the picture of the throne of our God and where he sits, and all the stuff that's happening around him, there's a sense of reverence that is reignited in you when you begin to understand the magnitude of the God that we serve and what he has accomplished for us through Christ Jesus. And so the thing is, is that I almost felt like maybe this is what God waking me up as, as like these brothers. He's this God, man. He's our boy. That's why I can talk to him anyhow. You know, he's God. He's my boy. <laughs> I can just talk to him anyhow. You know, just any whatever. You lose that reverence. So anyway, that's character number one. So anyway, Jesus isn't about this vibe of going to the festival with his brothers. So he comes up with this whole like, yeah, yeah, yeah you guys go. Me, I don't think I'm going to go for this thing. This, this homies are trying to kill me. So me, watch, I just chill. So him, he dodges that plan with his brothers, right? He doesn't want to be rolling with those negative, <laughs> irreverent peeps. He's just there like, me, I'm not trying to hang out with you guys, right? Um, him, is just like, me, I'm not trying to go there and, and be famous. You know, this isn't about him. It's about the message that he's trying to convey, all right? So his brothers are like, okay, whatever. Then they head out to the festival without Jesus, right? Then they go for the sherehe. They're like, yo, it's fun times. Let's go. But as soon as his brothers leave, Jesus goes to this gig, but secretly, okay? So it's clear he didn't want to go with these guys. <laughs> he was just like, I don't want that negative vibes. No, 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 no bad vibes around me here. Yeah? No, no bad energy. Bad energy go away. So he comes, he goes to this, but he goes secretly. And it, said, it, it turns out that the Jewish leaders were actually looking for, for Jesus because they assumed he's obviously going to be there because this is a big festival, right? So the thing that we see from as we read uh, in this, in this uh, portion of scripture, is that there's a lot of debate in the city about who Jesus is. So it begins to kind of show how his fame has really, really grown. He's the topic of discussion at this festival. Everyone has gathered around and they are talking about this Jesus. Some say he's a good man, others say he's a fraud. And it says that there was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. And here we find our next characters, the timid believers. Now more than ever, what has happened is that the world has made it that it is almost unprogressive for you to believe in Jesus. It's not cool. And not only is it not cool, it's one of those things like, oh, you, <laughs> like you believe in, you believe in Jesus. You get what I'm saying? I cannot tell you, my friends, the amount of times 
where I have <laughs> witnessed people being completely awestruck, where they'll meet me and be like, oh yeah, he's a cool guy, you need, you need good vibes, whatever. And then, they, then I bring up the whole thing of my faith and they're just there like, you know, you see that, that, that change in their face where they're just like, wait, how? So their, their brains are trying to compute the thing for, wait, how are we relating and how are we so like, how are we like relating, but you believe in Jesus? You know, that unprogressive Christianity, which, you know, right now we're all about, you know, the universe and good vibes and love and light. It's just like, what's all this Jesus, you know? And so within this context, within this space, within this kind of world reality that we live in, what we would do is that we would rather disguise our faith, right? You'd rather disguise to operate under the radar. Make sure, in fact, the only times you'll reveal that you're a Christian is first you have to find out if someone says that they're a Christian, that's when you're like, ah, me too. It's like now you can come out of the closet. <laughs> you can come out of the closet of your faith and be like, oh my gosh, I'm a Christian. Until then, you're just there, hidden, right? Where you're just here and talking about the universe and other things, but we won't openly claim Jesus because we don't want to look a certain way to others. This was what's happening over here with this crowd, that there were people afraid of getting into trouble for believing in Jesus. Like that was not the thing that was cool. That is not the thing. And so the thing that happens is for many, where there are many who they don't know where you stand because you hide your faith. You clearly, clearly aren't aware for sure that you're on the winning team. So there's that guy here, that character, who's him, I believe, but I'm here hidden. I'd rather disguise that I believe. I'd rather not step out and stand out because I don't want to be vilified for my belief in Jesus. Whoo! Anyway, now remember, this is a whole week-long gig, okay? That's happening. So it's a whole week. So Jesus has, the first few days, I'm a potter. You get what I'm saying? No one knows whether he's there or whatever. But then it says, after a few days, Jesus got up to the, goes up to the temple and starts teaching. Remember, like I said, this is a whole week of festivities, right? So he, you know, he goes up and he starts teaching in the middle of this festival. When he's there, what happens is that he now encounters the leaders trying to kill him. And also a skeptical crowd that is listening to him. Some in that crowd, right? was so skeptical of Jesus that they claimed that he was demon-possessed. Imagine that. Because they could not understand what he was doing, their conclusion was that this must be the devil's work. Ah! And so here is another set of characters. Those who are quick to demonize everything and anything they cannot understand. Because they could not understand who this guy was, their immediate thing was, he must be demon-possessed. I don't know if you guys know, know, know those people who, like, I know a couple of those who literally will not even begin to engage with some people because they're just like, just, they're like, ah, that's this guy, because I don't understand it. So it's not even necessarily that they understand anything. It's just because, because they don't get it, their immediate response is, shetani. However, so I'm hoping somewhere in between anyone who's listening, you're just like, hey, maybe that's not me, but I know a guy like that, or that's not Nini, or I know a person like that. So, now, 
The thing is, however, there were many among the crowds that began to believe in him. And so what happens is, is that for those who began to believe in him, when the Pharisees found out that there were people who were beginning to believe in him, they became even more determined to arrest Jesus. They were like, we're going to have to arrest this guy, right? But they couldn't because it wasn't his time. That's it. Plain and simple. I think you read that. Now, it's interesting how the Pharisees were especially vexed about the Sabbath snub that they wanted. To, they literally wanted to have Jesus killed because they're like, this guy is a sinner. How, how, what, that stuff he did in the Sabbath, no man of God would do that during the Sabbath. I mean, uh, the thing that is so fascinating to me is this, that these religious people wanted to murder him because he was a sinner. Okay, just take a moment to think about this with me, right? They wanted to murder him because he was a sinner. So meaning, what these guys were doing is they were literally completely overlooking their own sin and only saw his. Because they're like, that guy broke the Sabbath. So we... <laughs> and you know, Jesus talks about this. He literally talks about how. He's like, I don't understand. Why are you guys? I'm over here. I healed someone in the Sabbath. You're so upset about it. But not only that. Not only are you upset about it. You're even plotting to murder me. So then, they're just they're like, we need to get rid of this guy. We need to murder this guy. We need to kill this guy. Because he's a sinner. He's leading the people astray. So them, then forget about the fact that they are murderers. Then they are like, that guy broke the Sabbath. <laughs> you know, Jesus literally said to them, you know, why are you guys mad at me for healing a guy in the Sabbath? And then he says to them, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. He's basically telling them, you need to try and get yourself to look beneath the surface so that you can judge correctly. And herein is another set of characters. You know, there are so many Christians who are like these Pharisees, where we judge everything by what we see. We are so quick to see the wrong in others, but never in ourselves. So the thing that's happening here is, here is literally God is at work right in front of them, and they are literally actively opposing the work of God because they couldn't care to see beyond the surface. They had already judged this situation. You know, there's a video that I watched recently where this lady says that some people are so shallow that they will completely ignore a message that God is trying to give them because they don't like who it's coming from. And the question of that is, is that how many of us are like this? And, ex and the thing that's interesting, this is exactly how the Pharisees were. They could not receive God's message because they could not accept the vessel with which God was revealing that message. This guy who hangs out with sinners and tax collectors, the one who broke the Sabbath because he was healing someone. Forget about the fact that this man had been sick for 38 years. Why did you have him pick up his mat? <laughs> And the thing that's so interesting is that this attitude exists in so many of us where we listen with our eyes rather than with our ears. So it's based off of what we see. So based on the presentation, we will listen. If they are rich, if they are of high status, if they are righteous to the degree that we approve of, then we can listen to them. I mean, how many times were people over there literally are there to listen to people just because they have money? 
you don't care about anything else you're just there like ah this guy has chums i'm sure this guy has keys for for life i'm gonna take all my cues around everything because this guy has money i'll come listen to what he has to say about how i should live my life and it's purely because we listen with our eyes rather than our ears i know some people for example who'd rather they'd be like me i don't i can't listen to you know i don't know if you guys know about sunday service choir the one that was started by kanye west right it's beautiful stuff those guys like there's an there's an album that they have that's just so amazing it's so amazing but the reason why they would not listen to these guys sunday service choir is because it was started by kanye west <laughs> So now because you, you don't like this vessel that, that, that has presented this thing, this thing, right? You're, just, you're, like, you, you're just like, throw the whole thing away. Throw the whole thing away, right? You will not even be able to receive the gift of what this Sunday service choir is able to do for you because of how you have decided God is going to speak to you. Oh! Hey. And the thing that is so interesting, what we see time and time again is how God continually uses broken vessels to reveal himself. I mean, even you yourself, <laughs> who, is, who is that broken vessel that, and the fact that he chooses to use you is literally an indication of how God works. And so the question is, who are you to judge another man's servant? But this was the attitude of the Pharisee. Right in front of them was the Messiah, but they could not see past the surface. They had already decided how it is that God was going to speak to them. Ah, but that guy is a, is, is a, here is a Muslim. Or oh, that guy, look at the way he looks. He has funny hair. Ah, that guy, I've seen the way you saw last week, the way he was. Oh, that. So we use all these things where we decide that we're not in any way because of the vessel that is in front of us, that God is trying to say something to us, we completely reject it because we don't like the vessel and we cannot see past the surface. You know, it's so interesting that this was a festival to commemorate how God led the Israelites through the wilderness. And if you remember, though God's presence was tangibly with the people in that in the, amongst the Israelites, meaning that there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. His literal, tangible presence was there. They were the most stubborn, unbelieving people. Yet God was right there present with them. They consistently grumbled and complained. They refused to accept God's instruction and they began to actively oppose God. So when you think about this celebration, which ought to be a time of reflection of how God can be at work right in your midst and you miss it all because of the attitude of your heart. This is what's happening. They're literally, if you look at this whole chapter, they're here to celebrate a festival that's really about how God led them through the wilderness and they forgot about the people that God was leading through that wilderness and their unbelieving hearts and the attitudes of their minds and their hearts, their negativity and all the things that they brought forth that these guys are in that moment, but completely miss the whole thing. This, in fact, in cha this chapter, John chapter 7, is literally, it's like the Israelites in the wilderness, part 2. <laughs> right? Where literally here is God right in front of you, but you can't see it. You miss it completely. Jesus told the people, 
Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. And so the thing is, is that if you, as you are listening to me, saw yourself in any of these characters that I mentioned, and you're like, crap, that's me, (laughs) I really thank God. Because that is the heart of someone that wants to do the will of God. The recognition, already just being like, man, that's me. This is someone who wants to do the will of God. And the thing is, it says here that on the last day of the festival, which is essentially the climax of this festival, Jesus declares to the people, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. And so the thing is, is that this is how, if you identify with any of this character, this is how we escape the wilderness in our hearts and minds. We go to the living water. We go to him and tell him, Lord, I have been irreverent towards you. Or I have been timid. Or I have been deeply critical of others and myself. Or I have been so judgmental towards others, not seeing how wretched I myself am. Always looking at the speck in someone else's eye, never seeing the log in my own. Or what I, for me, realized recently where that there are some areas in my life where I have allowed myself to embrace negativity and faithlessness. And to be able to come to that admission, to that realization, and then going to the living water and saying to him, Lord, would you give me a new mind? Would you give me a new heart? Would you help me to be able to overcome these attitudes, these things that are in my life that are causing me to miss you, that are causing me to miss the things that you're doing? There are so many times where we can be sitting in a situation and you completely miss what God is doing. You stay in this space of such negativity that you miss all the beauty that is around that God is executing all around your life. But the thing that we have and that Jesus says to the people on the very last day of this festival, he says to them that he is the living water. That he is the one that is able to give us a new mind, a new heart, a new way of thinking. He's able to refresh us. And when we come to him to help us to overcome these attitudes, he's saying to us that I am the source of your refreshment. That he can refresh us. And today, this is what I want us to pray about. Because I know that there are some of us who have heard this and you're like, man, that's me. And you're in that dry place of this attitude. And the living water, Jesus Christ, is able to come and breathe new life into that mindset, new life into that attitude, new life into that perspective, to to bring a new mind. And the thing is, is that we go to the living water and he is able to refresh us. He is able to refresh us. Amen? That we, and this is the fundamental thing, my friends, we don't, you don't want to miss God in the chaos of this world. 
here judging people, looking at people a certain way, forgetting, and not only just that, looking at them in a certain way, but not even also seeing yourself, seeing how wretched yourself, how you are, how much you yourself are a wilderness in need of refreshment, in need of new thinking, in need of a new mindset, in need of a new attitude. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. That there are things in your life, these, these attitudes, these mindsets, that are keeping you from seeing Jesus. The Messiah is right in front of you, but you cannot see him because of certain mindsets and attitudes. And this is a moment for us to come and humble ourselves before the Messiah and say, you are the living water. Refresh me within. Refresh me within. Unleash and expose all these mindsets and attitudes that are holding me back from seeing you. All these characteristics, whatever it is, that reveal these things to me and refresh me within. Amen? Amen. Allow me to pray for us. Allow me to pray for us. If you feel like you're that place, allow me to pray for us that God would revive us, that God would refresh us, and that God would renew us in Jesus' holy name. Holy Father, come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to thank you that you are the God who refreshes us. You are the God who sees us. You're the God who knows us. And Father, you say in your word in Isaiah 43, where you say that you are the one who brings refreshment. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua that you would bring refreshment to those who are seeking after you right now. Those who are desiring to do your will those who are recognizing that there are some areas in which I have held on to certain mindsets, certain attitudes that are hindering me from seeing you as you are. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you refresh us? You are the living water. Would you expose within us the attitudes that we are holding on to that are not serving us? Would you expose the attitudes and mindsets that are not in any way serving us, but instead are leaving us stuck, that are putting us in a place where we cannot see you, where nothing can grow, where there is no fruitfulness. Father, I pray that you would begin to open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear. And Father, I ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that would you refresh us? Would you fill us with your spirit and begin to allow us to have new mindsets, new attitudes? That would you work in us newness, like springs of water, fresh springs, fresh attitudes, fresh mindsets, a fresh heart. Would you renew a right spirit within us, a right mindset, a right attitude? And so we come to you, the living water, that you may refresh us, that you may renew us for the glory and honor of your holy name. Father, we ask these things, not because we in any way have any righteousness to bring before you, but instead we ask of these things because we trust 
in who you say you are in Christ Jesus. You have said that you are our living water. And so we have come today to drink of this water. Renew us, refresh us. For it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. Listen, if this message blessed you, please be sure to share with someone whom you love. Share with a friend, a colleague, anyone. And then also, listen, support us. Support this ministry so that we can be able to make more dope content and be able to spread this message of the kingdom to as many people as possible. And then, make sure that you subscribe. Sawa, subscribe. Subscribe, wherever the button. Subscribe, subscribe. God bless you guys.